blessing of brokenness. And let me just read a couple of scriptures and then I'm going to move right on to, to this portion of the message. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Beginning from verse 45. Mark 6 45. It says, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and it was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Let me just stop right there. That's enough. What I want you to see is the fact that no matter what's happening with you, no matter where you are, no matter what you are going through, we know from scriptures that Jesus Christ is not idle. Romans chapter 8, Hebrews chapter 7, we are told that he, Jesus, lives to make intercession for us. He's praying for us. Now, who would you rather have praying for you when you're in trouble? Jesus. Pastor Bank? Hello, somebody. We have a Pope. We have, would you rather have the Pope praying for you when you're in trouble? No, absolutely not. Jesus is the best prayer partner you can have Amen. in adversity. Amen. Not only is he praying for us, the Bible says he's seeing what's happening. So it's not just praying, it's acutely aware of what's happening with you. And even though that situation looks like it might take you under, the truth of the matter is, if you have God's perspective, that situation is going to take you over. Amen. The enemy is trying to help, is trying to make me and you think we are going down. No, no, we are not going down, we are only going up. You see, because the way up in God is always down. Now, Lance Wallnow, a prolific author, great teacher, preacher, and world leader, cited a study that was done at Fuller Seminary. And this is what it says. That study says only 20% of the body of Christ ever comes into convergence. 20%. Only 20% of the body of Christ ever comes to a place where their gifting and passion matches what they're doing and they're doing it with pleasure. Convergence. Where what you are created, uniquely created to do, to be, and what you are doing now comes together. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, let me, let me break it down further. So you went to school, you went to Georgia Tech, renowned college, you became a, what, space engineer, and you're working at Walmart, cash register. Is that convergence? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But what this study is saying is that God has uniquely gifted, packaged, given you talents, passions, and that only 20% of us ever get to the place where we are using our talents, our passion, 
in the area and place where God uniquely designed for us to be here. 20%. What happened to the rest 80%? Why is 20% getting it and 80% are missing it? The reason is very simple. Number one, the 80% do not recognize the process of God to bring me into my place of fulfillment. They don't recognize it. Number two, number two, those who recognize it, and this is where many of us fall, those who recognize it do not trust the love of God enough to engage in the process. So I understand there's a process. I, I read it, I understand it, yes. But am I willing to submit to it? Ah, God, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. God, are you really who you say you are? That you can really bring me through this process into a place of fulfillment? Can you really do that? I think you can, but you know, I'm not sure you will do it for me. That's why the song that was just ministered, one of the stanzas was so powerful. He says, I'll build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken. The very first sentence, spread it all out. I'll build my life upon your love. You see, if we do not trust in the love of God, we will never be able to be submitted into the process and see ourselves through it. I'll build my life upon your love. Oh, let's just pray. Let's just lift up our hands this morning. You know, we, we, use, we use these words, we use them so carelessly, so flippantly, so simplistically, and we truly have not come into the real understanding. What does the love of God mean? Oh God, I pray this morning for me and this congregation that we will not just go through life just existing rather than thriving. But God, that you open the eyes of our understanding that we will come to the place of knowing your love that you already said surpasses knowledge. That love that the human mind cannot comprehend. That the human mind cannot even explain. That love that compelled you to go to Calvary and pay a price that no one else could pay. Thank you for that love this morning. We receive your love. We embrace your love. We thank you for your love. We are grateful for this love. And yes, Lord, we want to build our life upon the foundation of your love. Help us to stay upon your love. We thank you. We bless you. In Jesus' name. And so this morning, moving further in this message, Let's just use the example of Joseph for a minute. Joseph from Genesis chapter 37. We know the process that the way up is down. Now we need to trust in the love of God 
that it will sustain us in the process so we can attain the expected end. We cannot minister in a broken world unless we have been broken. That's the only way we can relate to a world that is broken around us. Everything is broken. Everything. Everything is broken. And so if we are going to be relevant, if we are going to be able to touch them where they are, if we are going to be able to have the feeling of their infirmity, then we need to be informed. That's what it's all about. With this hope, though, this is not a hopeless, useless, crazy, being broken and staying and remaining broken. No, that's not what we're talking about. No, we are talking about a process that God takes us through so that he can be freely expressed, like Pastor Lonnie said this morning in prayer, where we can diffuse forth the fragrance of his knowledge. The alabaster box, as long as it remained intact, the fragrance was contained within it. It is only when it is broken, in Mark chapter 14, verse 7, it is only when it is broken that the content, the precious content in the box can be released to be a blessing. And when you read that passage, the Bible said that fragrance filled the room. God wants to fill our rooms. He wants to fill our cities. He wants to fill our communities. He wants to fill our nation. He wants to fill our world with the fragrance of his knowledge. But in order to do so, he must have broken vessels through which his fragrance can be diffused. So in Genesis chapter 37, beginning from verse 5, Genesis 37 verse 5, Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheep stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and brothers, and his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to you, bow down to the earth to you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in his mind. Now, very interesting dreams. Dreams are of God. God gave the dream, why? In order to give Joseph some sense of direction as to where it was taking him. Now, if we look at both of those dreams, they were the same. The interpretation. In the first one, he said his 11 sheaves of his brothers bowed down to his sheaf that was standing upright. In the second dream, the sun, the moon, and the stars, he said, bow down to him. So in each of those dreams, what was the common denominator? Bowing down. Others were bowing to him. In short, those brothers, 
and the parents, they had no problems in interpreting the dream. They knew right away what it was saying. That's why they said, are you saying we're going to bow down to you? In other words, Joseph had a dream at a tender age that he was going to be a leader or a ruler. God was showing him that I'm going to elevate you. I'm going to promote you. I'm going to bring you to a place of prominence to where you'll be in control. You'll be in charge. Now, in understanding the process of God and the element of brokenness, Joseph, who had received this powerful dream or prophecy or, 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 or a direction of where his life was going to take him, happened to be the son of Jacob. Now, I want you to see God's dilemma. God is giving this young man a dream. This is where I'm taking you, Joseph. But Joseph happened to be living in the house of Jacob with his 11 brothers. Given the dysfunctionality of that family, how will Jacob ever be able to nurture what is inside of Joseph? How is it going to happen? How is it going to develop him? How is it going to mature him? How is it going to give him the platform and the opportunity to lead, given the dynamics of what was happening in the family? Hello? What's the first things we need to know about leading or leadership? The first things you and I must know about leading is that in order to lead, you must first be led. You cannot rule unless what? You are ruled. You understand that? You cannot lead unless you are being led. You cannot rule unless you are ruled. Therefore, given this family situation, it's obvious because Jacob had a preferential treatment of Joseph. So, when the brothers are in the field, he kept him at home. Jesus made it clear. If you're going to lead, the first thing you must do, serve. Jo Jacob will do everything in his power to protect Joseph from serving. And the only time he went to the field, what did he do? He brought back evil report of his brothers. So Joseph was a potential emerging leader going nowhere fast as long as he remained in Jacob's house. So God said, wait a minute, my dream has to come to pass. My vision for Joseph has to come to pass. Why? Because it's of my spirit. I gave it by the spirit. Therefore, Jacob, if you not cooperate, I'll just go around you. Are you following me? Yes. Now, fast forward with me to Psalms 105. Psalms 105. Verse 17. Give it to me, if you can, in the NLT. New Living translation. Psalms 105, 
verse 17. Thank you very much. Look at what it says. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them. Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Excuse me? That's how you're going to send me? You're not going to put me on Emirates flight? First class? JFK to Dubai? I think that's sending. Hello? Who sent him? Oh, I thought the brother sold him to slavery. God knew the curriculum for his promotion. He knew the path to his rulership. He also knew that Jacob would not cooperate. So therefore, God had to introduce the divine curriculum. Now, Joseph, I'm going to send you ahead of your brothers to Egypt. But I will not put you on Delta Airlines. Because as long as I put you on Delta or Emirates or KLM, Air France, all those guys, you will never get a lesson. So what did he do? He allowed him to be sold into slavery. Now, at that point in history, if you could stop Joseph and say, Joseph, how is, how is your dream doing? How, how, how is the dream business? That's where many of us are. Looks like everything is dying. Looks like nothing is happening. Looks like the dream is forgotten. Looks like your life is some place on the shelf. Looks like nothing is happening. But you just don't understand that why things seem to be dying, God is at work. Because for every seed to produce a crop, that seed must first die. If the seed does not die, there's no crop in the ground. I want you to know this morning that no matter what's happening with you, Jesus is on the case. He's looking at the situation. He knows what's going on in your household, in your bedroom, in the boardroom, in the marketplace, at school, wherever you are, he is on the case. Yes. Give me the next verse. He sent someone to Egypt ahead of them. They bruised his feet with feathers and placed his neck in an iron collar. Joseph, did you order this? Did you, did you, did you order these collars and, and, and shackles from Amazon.com? Is this part of the dream you had that you're going to be in shackles? Folks, let me tell you something. God in his dreaming to us gives us the high points. He gives me and you the mountaintop experiences in dreams. He leaves it up to him to fill in the valleys. And that's where we shake. That's where we begin to wonder, God, are you still here? He is still here. He said, I will forever be with you. Even low until the end of the ages. Where's God going? He can't go nowhere. He has committed himself to be with you. He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. We are the ones that forsake him. Look at verse 19. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams. Please don't miss this verse. The Lord 
tested Joseph's character. You see, because where it's taking you and I, you have to have character as a foundation to sustain where it's taking you. If your character can keep you there, you will fall if you ever get there any other way. So before the word came to pass, before God allowed him to rule, before God placed him in a position of elevation and leadership, before God established him and placed him there, God says, you know what? I've got to make sure I've put the right things in you. So that when you get there, there will not spoil you. Yeah. Folks, when a leader is not broken and they have authority, they'll break people. When a man or a woman is not broken and they find themselves in positions of authority, they'll break and destroy people. That's why God wants us broken. Go and ask Moses. Haughty, arrogant, full of knowledge in Egypt. And because of all that energy, because of all that knowledge, he saw something happening and he took it upon himself, killed the Egyptian, buried him in his hands. I'll take care of it. God said, well, you take care of it, then I'll take care of you. You just got promoted 40 years in the backside of the desert. In obscurity, you see, because you did what you did, because you thought you had authority. For 40 years, your authority will be taking care of sheep. Where no one will see you. So now when God brought him back, ah, the Bible said he was the meekest man on the earth. <laughs> God, God had finished it, man. The guy was so... They have almost carried him to move because now... Yeah, that's exactly what happens. That's what happens. Go and ask Nelson Mandela. 27 years of prime life. Wasted away in prison. When they came out, it was tender. And I don't think Africa has ever produced another leader like him. Brokenness will produce something in you that will serve not only you, your generation, but generations to come. Amen. Watch this, verse 20. Then Pharaoh sent for him and set him free. The ruler of the nation opened his prison door. Next verse. Verse 21. Joseph was put in charge of all the king's household. He became ruler over all the king's possessions. Next verse. He could instruct the king's aides as he pleased and teach the king's advisors. Another translation. In fact, really, most other translations, that word instruct means to bind or to imprison. So let me, let me read that again. Let me read that. He could imprison the king's aides as he pleased and teach the king's advisors. Is that what he did? Did Joseph do that? Of course he didn't do that. Why do you think he did not do that? He had the authority to do so. The man who took him out of Potiphar's house and put him in the slammer while he was protesting of his innocence. When he became ruler, he could even say, who are those guys? 
Lieutenant Colonel uh, Yakubu, uh, uh, Major General uh, IBK, all of you just come here. Easily, 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 easily. Those men who took him into prison and I became leader, he could easily say, get them here. You stupid people, you, did, you should have known better. Did he do that? No. Why did he not do it? He had been broken. You see, until you've been to prison, you don't respect prisoners. He's been broken. When his brothers finally came back to Egypt to be reconciled with him, why did he not deal with them and say, you, ah, I saw you, you, I saw how you were laughing when you, so, why did he not do that? Why? We read these stories and we just say, oh man, this is wonderful. Why did he not do that? Because God was working some things in him that changed his configuration, his mindset, his perspective. Totally changed completely. 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 The Bible says, Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, letting you know it was not easy, it was not fun. No, no, no. He was not drinking lemonade and Kool-Aid on the cross. No. He endured the cross. That means it was not easy. It was painful. It was agonizing. And on top of that, despising the shame. It was a shameful thing for a man, God, to be exposed naked in public on Golgotha for the world to see and to mock and to ridicule. But what did he do it? For the joy that was set before him. That was a joy. What joy do you have set before you this morning? What do you have? What are you aiming, aiming for? What are you going for? What do you have going for you? For the joy that was set before him. I'm telling you this morning, we have a joy that's set before us. Yes. I understand that this life is not just from, from what I'm living in this body. No, no, no. There is another life. Oh my God. There's a place called heaven. There's a place called Oh my God. There is a blessed assurance that heaven has prepared for you and I. We are not just men and women that are just given to this Tema farmer. No. There is much more. There is great joy in knowing that at the end of the day, you are going to be able to see him face to face. Amen. Yes, Lord. You are going to be able to see him face to face. No. If all we do is just live in this earth, we are all my, all, all my most miserable. That's what Paul said. But there's something greater. Yes. That's why we have eternal life. The ability through God to live forever in union with him. It is real, folks. It is very real. If it's not real, we're wasting our time. That is a joy. And because of that joy, nothing that man can put on me, can say about me, can do to me, is going to shake me. Why? Because I'm not living just for the moment. I'm living for eternity. God knows what he's doing. As long as Joseph was in Jacob's house, he would never learn how to lead. Never. His brothers would never allow that to happen. And his father would not even release him to that responsibility. So God allowed him to be sold. His first assignment, household of Potiphar. Manage people. 
He didn't, he didn't want to. That's, that was not. He, he I'm not even sure you understood what was happening. I don't know how many people were in Potiphar's household. But Potiphar saw him and said, you know what? I like you. Take the house and manage it. This boy who thought he was in slavery was in a measure of authority. Because now, he's telling this one, go here, go here. Assignment for today, you do this chore, you do that chore. He was learning on the job. While in slavery. If you could ask him while he was in Potiphar's house, how is the dream business going? That's exactly what he would say. What dream? Can't you see me? I'm a slave. Managing a household, not knowing that what he was doing in that moment was going to be the platform for his promotion. Because if you're not faithful over a little, you cannot be a ruler over many. Amen. So we start you with ruling the household. When he had learned that lesson properly, and God said, yes. And by the way, God don't promote you unless you have a test. Oh, no, no, no. You can shout all you want, sing all you want, do acrobat all you want. It doesn't matter. He's not going to promote you unless you pass your test. When the time came for, Moses, for Joseph to be promoted to the next level of training, there must be a test. Potiphar's wife. Ha, hallelujah. Beautiful Egyptian woman. I can just, just imagine her skin. I, I don't know what it would be like. The aroma of her perfume. I'm sure Joseph can smell her before you can see her. Beautiful thing it had to be. And daily, this woman was tormented, taunting this boy. This young boy with all his hormones still at work. This, this Mr. Pharaoh, we don't know about him. He's gone again. Joseph, come. Let's go have a good time. Joseph would think that that test was actually coming from the madam. Yeah, the madam was the one playing it out. But God is the one testing his character. The woman was just an instrument to confirm, I've played some things in you, Joseph. Are you ready? And we knew he was ready because his point of reference was, I cannot sin against God and I can against you. God was priority, not even Pharaoh, not even Potiphar. And immediately passed that test, said, good, good test, good result, promotion, prison. <laughs> Why? Because in a household, you only manage maybe 20, 25 people. Where I'm taking you, Joseph, you're going to manage nations. Wow. Therefore, you need experience. Wow. You need experience. And the deeper you go, the higher you will climb. See, it's a paradox in the things of God. God says, you say, God, I want to get blessed. Say, give. When you give, it's like a minus. But that's the only way you're going to get. Now, your motivation is not given to get, but I'm just saying that's the way it works out. So he got promoted to prison. If it's anything like Georgia prison, it's a lot of people, a lot of inmates. Overcrowded, perhaps. Forced imprisonment, kangaroo court system. You don't like this one, just throw him there. So now it goes from 
Managing 20, 25 people now to managing God knows how many, hundreds in prison. In other words, faithfulness in small responsibility promotes you to increased responsibility. I hope we understand that in the body of Christ. Because I see people who at some point was serving hard, very hard. They serve, I mean, they, they, they involved in the ministry. And as God elevates them, promotes them, have a little chin in their pocket, they slack. They slack up. Ah, they say, now I have two children. Who gave me the children? <laughs> Satan? They begin to use children and family as an excuse to serve in the kingdom of God. And then when cancer hits or a child gets rebellion, we run back to church. Folks, something's wrong with us. You don't, you don't reduce your level of service as God promotes you. No, it increases. Our problem is lack of priority. So God now, let me just move on. God now just put this guy in prison. Where he began to manage prisoners. More responsibility. But his experience was getting what? Bigger. His resume was getting better. Until finally, the butler and the baker. You know the story? Had a dream which they could not interpret. Remember? What started Joseph? Dream. Are you seeing the convergence? He began with a dream and this trigger point to place him where he wants is what? So what? A dream. Folks, the giftings and callings of God in you is without repentance. No, it's not. It's without repentance. The issue though is, are you faithful in serving? Because you see, Joseph would have missed it if he did not pay attention to those men, the butler and the baker. He saw that something was wrong and he offered help. Who are you helping lately? Who are you helping? Who are you finding out, Lola, how are you doing today? Greg, I noticed the radiance in your face is gone. Is there, is there anything I can do? Is there anything happening in your life? We just walk past our, we walk past our ministry. We walk past our promotion. Yes. On the way to nowhere. If Joseph had not passed and just said, Butler, Baker, what's going on, man? You guys normally very jovial, very upbeat. Is there anything happening with you? Because it took the moment to stop. Mm-hmm. You know, put into minister to them. And that changed his life. Just like that. Now, I'm not following the text, but you can read it. Joseph was so impressed with himself. He said, Butler, Baker, when you get out there, when you get before Pharaoh, remember me. You must give me, you must have had a business card. I better pass my card to Mr. Pharaoh. In case he, needs some, he has a problem, I, 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 I can solve it. Watch God. Those guys came out and for two years forgot him. Two years. Please don't miss this point. If it was me and you, you would fight your friend for forgetting you. How dare you, Greg? You are so ungrateful. I helped you out when you were in need. 
I give you word, I give you $10, I put gas in your car, I help you make a mortgage payment, and you got out, and you forgot me for two years. How dare you? Who needs a friend like that? Not knowing that God gave him divine amnesia. Because had they remembered him then, there was no famine in Egypt. If they had remembered him at that time, two years earlier, his gift would not be needed in Egypt. God had to prepare the need for your gift. And unless the need is prepared for your gift, there can be no convergence. God was working on Egypt to get Egypt to a place of vulnerability. A place where they're just, they're just desperate. And he needed two more years. If Joseph came out two years on early release, the world would have been a mess. Because you know what? He would have been on a one-way ticket back to Canaan. Instead of being in Egypt, where God wanted to use him. So my friend, don't curse your wilderness. Don't curse the season of your breaking. If you understand what we read this morning in prayer, instead you give thanks. Because God will always cause you to triumph. That's who he is. He will always cause you and I to triumph. Even when we don't see it on the horizon. So two years later, of course, you know the rest of the story. There was a need. And God raised this young man up. And then he remembered. He said, yes, I remember. When, when I was in prison, this guy, Joseph, did this and that. And they brought him out. At the nick of time, they came out. God is not breaking you to destroy you. He's only breaking you to prepare you and to prepare a platform for your ministry to be seen and to be used. Submit to God's brokenness. In humble surrender, say, God, you're at work. I don't see it all. I don't know it all. But like the song we sung, I will build my life on your love. Your love is a firm foundation that I need. I will put my trust in you. And I know if I do that, I will not be shaken. All heads bowed. I don't know what you are faced with this morning. I know we prayed last Sunday. But perhaps you are facing new challenges today. And you're a little weak, wobbly, wondering. Will God come through for me? Will he deliver? The answer is yes, he will. Yes, he will. He's always faithful. Yes. Even when we're faithless. As Pastor Tosin shared in prayer on Wednesday night, that, I left that prayer meeting so touched by, by that verse of scripture in Judges chapter 7. The reason God is taking us through all of this is because he wants to give you and I a testimony. The shout of Gideon was, 
the, the Lord is for us and for God. Yes. Let me find that scripture and let's use that to pray. Let's use that to pray. Judges chapter 7. In fact, if you, if you just, if you want prayer, just come to the front right now. Come, come, come. Very quickly. If you want prayer. If you want prayer. If you want prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mama Mandere Kebe. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's just take a minute. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus.